episode number 190 with Doug Lightford. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton. And this is Mike Snyderman. And this week we have returning guest, Doug Lightford, Dougie Fresh. He, uh, longtime listeners will know the story of Doug. Uh, Doug and I met on TPE, um, started a study group, and uh, we just kind of never quit. <laughs> uh, Doug put his uh, successful job as an engineer on hold uh, for a year. And uh, he quit his job, and he gave poker a shot. Um, after that, he ended up going back to poker, but he still plays uh, quite a bit. So I'm excited to have him on. Um, this was your idea, Mikey, and I think it really stems around his work ethic, around study habits. Yeah, yeah he's, like, he's like Carlos in that respect. That's actually is much fun or more fun than uh, playing poker. Yeah, yeah. He's studying and analyzing the game. And uh, yeah, Dougie does, he does the PO solver and all the, the sort of the higher end analysis, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Uh, you know, it's good for us to get, um, get some input from like him and Carlos every now and then, because we'll sit here and just hypothesize and they can plug it into their program and give us an answer. We need answers about a lot of things, Steve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'd think with a poker podcast, we should uh, be more certain of our opinions at some times, but no. <laughs> well, at least, uh, at least uh, half of intelligence is knowing what you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Both of us are kind of pretty good with that, I think. I, I think so. I think so. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I was hoping to be recording this with you in a uh, dingy uh, Harris motel room, but uh, unfortunately, I couldn't make it out this weekend, <laughs> so right yeah weather wasn't quite uh you know i've had i've had, I've had to fart twice as much just to just to maintain the the stink that i expected <laughs> good <laughs> um yeah and the, the flight the flight patterns were no good correct or it is the weather there's there's a, a storm brewing down in uh south of here and you know i've been watching the weather the last three days and it's been changing every 12 hours for you know the last 72 hours and i'm just like yeah, it's not worth it. it um right especially for you know one day yeah 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 but it's all good there'll be more i'll probably be out there again in two weeks so it's all good how's uh how's the wsop series going you've uh yeah i just uh i had just two events and uh two caches nice okay um unfortunately the last one i made the final table oh. and um in PLO? No, I, oh. I, I'm skipping. I skipped the PLO one yesterday. Okay. Um, more because I was wanted to have go up, go out, go out to dinner with a couple of guys than uh, anything else. But um, yeah, two events: thirty first and eighth. Okay. And uh, the eighth one, unfortunately, would have been nice to uh, to win the thing. I got what? paid. I think twenty seven hundred in first place. Of course, was thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah. That's how these things work, Steve. True, true. Either, Other, either, either be good enough to win these tournaments or don't, uh, you know, don't waste your time. Yeah. Well, you're up, you're up so far then. Yeah, I've had three straight cash sessions each night too, winning sessions. Wow, nice. This might be the best streak of my uh, – I've had, I had uh, I think, 11 straight winning sessions. Okay. That's 
which is pretty good. I mean, pretty obviously remarkable. that just means you know I'm on the right side of variance. True. Vegas poker, man. It's nice. It's better. Just in the 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 drop. There was the two five the other night at uh, Bellagio. You know, two people, somebody limped, and uh, they ended up just checking it down. And um, on the river, I want to say, you know, there was $12 in the pot at the beginning, and on the river, they gave the guy $11. Only only $1 came out. Oh, okay. Because it's a rake. I mean, in oceans, we have a drop. So $6 comes out regardless, and another dollar comes out on the river. Oh, wow. So if you were a part of that pot that started with $12, you would have gotten five back. And here you got 11. Yeah. Um, so a lot of pot, and there's a $5 max as opposed to a $7 max in the game I play. Okay. So um, I think we get a better rake back and they don't, they don't have a jackpot and you know, other things, but uh, $5 max rake sounds pretty, pretty sweet to me. Yeah. Yeah. That is nice. That is nice. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, what? Um, I haven't. I haven't gambled, Steve. I'm proud of that. Good for I'm you. Fe- I'm feeling no need at this point. Good for you. Just walking by it, and so. Um, good. Good. Yeah. Stick to that. It, um, what's the um, uh, with the WSOP dot com? Is is there a HUD you can use, or is this all headless? You're supposed to not being use a HUD, and I'm I'm following that rule. Um, not. Uh, I I actually couldn't download it onto my uh my, my I, i'm on my mac with no hud so yeah, okay. there's no i actually tried to download the software on my pc and uh you know i, I would have probably looked to see if the hud worked but uh you know i don't think i was going to work it anyways okay. i'm so paranoid about being caught with things steve yeah um, i was gonna say is this a moral uh issue no not really yeah. I, i'm capable like I, the only reason i don't rob banks is because i'd be the, the certainty of getting caught <laughs> so there seems less certainty here but uh yeah I, i'm a guy who follows the rules not probably i don't know if i'm, if I'm ethical or not but um okay 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 right yeah it, it, it's an advantage for the guys who but i'm only one tabling the last couple nights yeah okay so you're and it when it got down to the end um and i, I was actually taking notes too good so yeah. i was uh you know i was taking it seriously uh-uh. i uh yeah, I mean nothing really too interesting. I mean I ran like God to get to get to where I was getting. You know, I I had to get. Uh, I think I was like first. You know, I had the chip lead for for a while. That's but fun. Um, when you when you've just when you're, you know, first almost the entire tournament. <laughs> well, no, it was it wasn't like that. But I did have the chip lead. I think with like thirty to go or something like that. So eighth That's feels it. a little disappointing. But for some, it's interesting that these tournaments are so fast. They're almost like turbos, you think, for 10-minute levels. Oh, wow. So you start with 10K and chips, but it moves fast, man. You're in the money within like two and a half hours or something or two hours. Yeah. I don't know how long it was. I didn't Near the end, basically, it gets very shallow. Yeah. <clears throat> so if I was the chip leader with 30 to go, I probably had 40 bigs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I don't know. Okay. I, would, I just assumed that they would be, you know, 20-minute levels or something, but uh... – yeah, Maybe the main event on Sunday will be. Okay. I, I don't know what the deal will be. Okay. Um, it's fine with me. It works better that way. Just get it over with? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pros in this. It's not like my if it went like to longer levels, I have all of a sudden have a bigger edge. Okay. So have the, you know, have the tournament be quick, and then I can go um, 
go play with some cash. Yeah. Okay. So it, it works okay for me. I'll have to. Uh, yeah, Steve, it's kind of funny. I had a buddy who talked to me, but he's like, you got to find something to do outside poker. And um, I was admiring my work ethic this month. I think I told you I've already, I've already probably played like 230 hours of poker this month or something. Well done, sir. Um, but long term, you know. That's just not sustainable. Yeah, but I need to. Uh, I don't have any crypto. You know, financially, this is pretty close to my low point. The reason you don't hear me being psychotically right now is that I've had one of my top four months in the past four years. And, um, so it's been, it's been good, but it's, I, to get back to where I want to be, um, I plan on busting my ass here for, this might be the new normal. This might be a little high, you know, 200 hours a month should be enough, but, uh, yeah, you're going to see me, you're going to see me work, Steve. You know, you could, uh, you could approach it like that, play 250 a month and then, but make sure you take at least a week off sometime next month, you know? I think it's okay to like grind it out and really be like focused on work, but you do have to give yourself some breaks or else you'll just go completely insane. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have my son um, next weekend. So, you know, we're going to be, that's, that's a break for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, this is, this is a job, Steve. I'm trying to treat it like one. Yeah. And, um, get back into trying to make some money here too well responsible and stuff i like it you yeah know, I, i'm following the steve plan you say you always have to live on basically i want my expense you know i've done all the math of you know how many hours i play what i'm going to make and um long term i should be able to find a wage to live off and still put even with uh and put two to three thousand dollars a month away yeah um so, you know, hopefully build up some, I mean, you know, it's, it's still, I'm not going to own a house or anything for, unless somehow I, I get lucky and donk a big tournament, you know, but um, anyways, there was a live tournament at the win. I, I still kind of want to play that. I think I'm going to play the WSOP, although technically I can do both. <laughs> I got myself, got my cell phone there, you know. Oh, at the same time, you mean? Yeah, if I wanted to, because there's a live tournament to the win, a 250K guarantee with a $600 buy-in. Oh, those are good. I played those. Today is day 1D or whatever, and tomorrow is day two. So those I like quite a bit. Um, I think it'd be a mistake to play both of them at the same time. Yeah, probably. Which one do you want to play more? Um, I guess the online one. Okay. Like I said, the online one, I like the fact that it's uh, – that it's uh, that it's quick here. I could play the other one for for eight hours and probably not get paid. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you probably have a bigger edge in the uh, live one. Uh, yeah, for sure. But the the tomorrow's tournament, I'm not going to miss the the main event there for because it's. Uh, oh, tomorrow's the main for the uh, for the online. Yeah, because uh, that one is a is. I mean, it's only a 250k guarantee, but I'm guarantee—I'm pretty sure it'll be a lot more than that. And first place will be 100k plus, which is uh, more than it'll be for the win tournament. So yeah, you know. yeah, the win will probably be 25 to 40, something like that. Um, what else is going on here, Stevie? I don't know. I was looking forward to you coming up here for do a little, uh, 
do a little bit for us to go out and try to talk to some women, but you know, they save myself that, that embarrassment. <laughs> Next weekend, I've got uh, the stocks class. So I've been, I've been watching videos on that in between playing poker and uh, uh, I'm excited about that one. Um, the weekend after that, um, I might be going down to Mexico. I might be going out to uh, Vegas. Um, maybe I could come down to uh, Oceanside or you could come up here. What, what are you doing the weekend of October like 12th? Um, yeah, I don't know, Steve. Well, that'll be the week after I have my son for the weekend. So I'll have to, I'll probably be back in grinder mode. You know? Okay. Okay. Um, we'll figure it. I, I was kind of, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a major. I actually already am a pickup artist, Steve, picking up disappointment, <laughs> humiliation. Picking up rejection. I, I just want something new, something <laughs> different, you know? Uh, that's great. That's great. I, uh, I listened to the, uh, to the pickup episode from, uh, from last week and uh, it, uh, I'm afraid we might not have been as PC as we could have been. Oh, really? I can't remember what I said about women or what, 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 what would we say? Well, no, I'm just thinking like uh, just in general, you know, our general uh, kind of air about the show. So I came up with a list of a couple of um, politically correct, correct uh, compliments and praises that you could give depending on your audience, you know. So what I was thinking of is if you're in a bar and you find out that a guy is uh, uh, he's Indian, you know, like uh, American Indian, not, not from India. You could say something like, um, if I'm ever lost in the woods, I hope it is you that they send to find me and take me home. I'm confused, Steve. I'm assuming you're, this, is a, this is irony we're dealing with here? I, yeah, that, that's kind of the... Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, another one could be uh, to my Asian cousins. May your sight be so good that not even a windshield can blind you. Steve, I really don't need any more of this. I, I got one more. Oh, <laughs> you work so hard on this. Oh, dear. Okay, Steve, go ahead. Okay, to, to my fellow round-eye white brothers, your Johnson is so big, you must warn all of us by driving around in a big lifted truck with rubber testicles hanging from the trailer hitch. That might only apply to California, huh? Uh, yeah, I don't know, Steve. I don't know if our friends across the pond. We're, 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 not on, we're, we're not on the same level here right now. No, no. Occasionally that happens. The only thing I was thinking about last week's episode, I haven't listened to, I don't remember, is that we kind of just, we do this. We just kind of say, let's get on and bullshit. And, you know, we didn't prepare for it, Steve. We need, I need a more, a more uh, to go, go into your more the deeper methodology that the, the Barton uses here rather than just kind of randomly uh, asking questions and saying, hey, teach me something. <laughs> we'll have to come but up. I didn't. I didn't pick up on the uh, the politically incorrect part. I, I I'm always a gentleman, Steve. I mean, that's that's like the the hallmark of my uh, my character. I thought so. I, I don't, if I was uh, offending someone, I cannot remember what it was. But uh... <laughs> that was my segue. I wouldn't take it personally. Oh, okay. Well, I think Doug is ready. Should we bring him on? Please, God, do. <laughs> yes, it's about time. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break, and then Doug Lifer. Tired of bageling tournament after tournament? Start winning tournaments. Join me at Tournament Poker Edge and start playing like a professional. Watch the videos, post tough hands in the forum, and get a response from Andrew Brokus. 
It's free coaching from a pro who's been making a living playing poker for over a decade. Train your brain to make the right decisions automatically and start winning money. Tournament poker is one of the fastest evolving games there is. It's always changing. Bet sizing, donk betting, ace and king blockers, you have to stay on top of it if you want to win. And TPE is the answer. When you join, get the discount with the code HUP month, HUP quarter, or HUP year. Study and learn with me and other people that are just like you and me. TournamentPokerEdge.com. Doug Leifert, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> How you been, man? Good, good. Uh, busy, but very good. Good, good. What are you up to these days, Doug? You're always switching around. <clears throat> Pardon me. You're, uh, you know, you're a businessman, then you're a poker pro, then you're back to something else. <laughs> I assume you're pimping on the streets of uh, Portland now. What's, uh, what, what's your, what, what do you consider your, uh, your job at this point? Uh, so my job now is for sure software engineering. Um, working full-time at a software company and uh, playing and studying poker whenever I can. Uh, what uh, how many hours a week would you say you're playing and studying? Um, so I've kind of scaled back my play fairly recently. Um, I'm trying to focus more on studying now and mostly just playing on the weekends. Um, so I'm trying to study uh, 10 hours a week and then just play as much as I can, like Friday through Sunday. Well, that sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's still a fair amount. Like I, I'm still getting in um, some decent volume, I would say. Uh-huh. Well, that's one of uh, one of the reasons we wanted you uh, back on. Uh, longtime listeners know your story about how you uh, you quit your uh, engineering job and played cards for full time for a year, went back mm-hmm. to uh, your job, and then now it's uh, it sounds like it's occupying probably at least a third of your working uh, hours. Um, you mean poker? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd say that's about right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, after I uh, went back into the working world after playing poker, um, I eventually went back to school, actually. Um, went, uh, studied software engineering at a coding boot camp, and then I um, got a job here in Maine after finishing that, and that's where I am now. Uh, cool. What, um, so what are your, like, kind of run through what those 10 hours are like during the week that you're, uh, that you're studying. Like, what... Uh... What do you do? <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, like, like about that. warming up, you know, software you use, all that. Sure. So I think in the past, I've been a pretty um, inefficient at studying, um, as I think a lot of poker players are, especially tournament players. Um, something I've consistently been trying to get better at and work on. Um, and now I think I'm in a place where I'm actually quite efficient with my time I spend studying. Um, so there's kind of a few different levels we can talk about this from. Uh, there's kind of a high level uh, discussion of just how to approach studying. Um, and I think that's probably a good place to start. Um, so in general, what I try to do is at the end of a week, I try to plan um, specifically like what areas of the game I want to work on for the next week. Um, so for example, uh, this week, my three areas of focus were uh, raise first in ranges um, versus raise first in ranges, preflop, and then uh, big blind defense. Okay. Um, so I played, you know, I played like Sunday and I think I played Thursday last week. Um, 
and then I just I mark hands while I'm playing if there's any hands I think I had trouble with and then I review those marked hands and then I also just filter my database so I use poker tracker 4 for that um, so I'll filter my database for like spots where I was in the big blind um, and then I just go through and replay those hands and I tend to not get through a lot of hands very quickly. Like if I spend two hours studying big blind defense, I might get through 10 hands, uh, maybe, okay. um, maybe six or seven. Um, and I just go really in depth in each spot. Um, I think it's way more important to go in depth rather than to get through a lot of hands. Um, Cause you can kind of blast through hands and just, and just look at like, if we look at like the simplest form of studying, we could look at a hand history where I was in the big blind. Um, let's say cutoff opens and I have like seven, eight offsuit or something. And I could just say, yeah, seven, eight offsuit is a defend here and then move on. Right. Yeah. Um, but instead what you could do is you could say, okay, cutoff opens. We're 30 big blinds effective. There's a 10% ante. Um, what's my entire range that I defend here and what hands should I three bet rather than flatting? Um, and then you can construct a range. You can use software to check your assumptions. You know, uh, what I like to do is kind of guess a range first. So I'll just like build a range in some sort of a, a software. It doesn't really matter what you use. Um, and then I will use whatever software I think is best for that situation to either run a sim or just like run an equity calculation and see if my range is correct. And then make notes about how I should be adjusting. Um, so to give an example um, from this past week when I've been looking at big blind defense, uh, there's a few spots where I'm defending too much and there's a few spots where I'm not defending enough. Um, so I just, I come up with the range, I run the sim and then I adjust and say, okay, I need to defend uh, more of these, you know, more of the King X offsuits or I need to fold more because the villain 2.5 X tier, um, uh, things like that. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what software are you using? Um, so I use a, a couple different things. Um, for, for big blind defending specifically, I really like to use uh, Power Equilab. Uh, it's a really good tool. And the reason I like that is because it has uh, equity realization built into it. Um, so you can, you can take a range and you can assign percentages to every hand in that range as far as how much of their equity they're going to realize post-flop. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like a hand like ace four offsuit might have like 35% equity or something against the opponent's range. But that's a hand that it's really hard to realize equity with uh, because you're dominated a lot um, and it doesn't have much connectivity. You can't really flop plus draws. You can't make straights with that hand. Um, like I say, it's four, you can make the wheel straight, but you know, seven, eight, it's easier to make a straight with. Yeah. Um, so a hand like ace four might only realize I don't know, like 60, 70% of its equity, um, where a hand like seven, eight or like eight, five offsuit or something, or eight, five suited rather is going to realize more of its equity because it's easier to flop equity and be able to continue to later streets. Um, yeah. so the ability to, uh, set percentages for each hand combo is pretty important for coming up with defense ranges. Yeah. My, the one I have downloaded doesn't do that. And it, uh, it is nice when you can click on it and go, eh, 50% sounds right. Or he could be opening uh, Jack-9 suited here, but probably only a quarter of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, uh, yeah. what else do you use other than Power Equilab? 
Um, so I, I have PO Solver. Um, to be honest, I haven't been using that a whole lot, but um, it's a very good tool and I, I plan to use it more. I've been really pretty focused on preflop stuff lately. So HRC, Hold'em Resources Calculator, is what I've mostly been using. Um, that will allow you to calculate like push fold ranges and rejamming ranges and things like that. It's, it's better for shorter stack situations like 20 BBs and under. Um, but it still can be used up to like 30, 40 BBs to look at some spots and get some ideas. Okay. Um, but the one problem with that tool is that it does not factor in equity realization. It just takes the raw equity of the two ranges and basically basically treats it like once you get to the flop, you're just going to check it down to showdown. And that's how it calculates your equity. Um, yeah. <clears throat> if we can take a step back, Doug, just to know where you're, you're at with poker now. You, when I, when I, me and Doug went to lunch a few months ago, you were kind of switching over to cash game guy. Are you back towards tournaments? Yeah. So we're talking uh, about here. Yeah. So the, uh, the cash game thing was kind of a, a roller coaster ride. I, I got back to play on some of these Chinese apps that are out there. Um, and it started out pretty well. Uh, I was winning right away at the lower stakes uh, in these Annie games. Um, I moved up, went on a downswing, moved back down, made it back, uh, cashed out three or four times. Um, but then after that, I kind of was going on a downswing again. And then at the same time, um, two of the clubs that I was in on these apps scammed us. Um, so they just took all the money that, our, that we had in the clubs and they just didn't exit scam and just disappeared. Um, and then uh, my backer decided he didn't want to back me anymore, but he did uh, offer to let me keep playing on the accounts with my own money. Um, so I still have those accounts. Um, I may play on those from time to time, but right now I'm mostly focusing on um, tournaments on Bovada and also a little bit of cash on Bovada as well. Yeah, I think those Chinese sites, I mean, all you need to know is that guys were putting teams together to go and play on them and you knew they were going to be Money was going to dry up pretty quick, probably. Yeah, I you're think gonna have this, less, you're going to have less dead money because, you know, there's other people doing the same thing this guy was doing, putting putting pros out there to grind. And um, there's just <laughs> anytime there's a sweet spot in poker, man, it doesn't last long. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think at this point, I think there's still definitely money to be made on those on these types of sites. But at the same time, uh, like you said, there's a lot of stables who have gotten involved in these sites and there's a lot of uh, logistical issues about getting money on these sites and there's a lot of opportunities to get scammed by clubs and there are collusion issues there's all kinds of things going on um, so there, there are problems with with these options um, and I just kind of decided for now I would rather not deal with that stuff and I uh, just stick with Bovada yeah I, I feel safe on there at America's card room but when you start thinking around with these little ones, it, it's it's so tempting because they're they're extremely soft, <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the you know six four spades a perfect example there. It, uh, <laughs> they uh, you just never know. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an EV calc of like you have X percent chance of like getting scammed or getting included against, but is it worth it because of how soft the games are? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And as a poker player, we just don't have a lot of goddamn options. True, yeah, especially you, being if, Americans. Yeah. If you want to play, you get a, well, you know, in Southern California, I can play cash in a, bunch, a zillion places, but uh, 
Steve, by the way, Doug, maybe you could talk to him and get some questions together. We're going to, Steve, right? Aren't we still going to have the head of the uh, Poker Players Association sometime coming up? So we're going to have on Rich Muni. Um, yeah, any, any questions you have on legality? He was part of the uh, uh, Poker Players Association. Yeah, I, just, I, I was just thinking, you know, just jumping ahead, we're talking about the bullshit that poker players have to deal with. And obviously, I immediately thought of when can we get, when can we get goddamn online poker here <laughs> you know yeah, yeah i mean i'm curious of like how is it that bovada has been around for over a decade and there's these little fly by the seat of your pants ones that are here and gone and what um <laughs> what the hell <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like well the issue is why is donald trump not paid taxes in 12 years and i can't play online poker that's, that's the larger <laughs> issue yeah, and you can you can bet on sports and all these other things, yeah. but you can't play poker. Pots, pots legal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can't play cards. Um, yeah, I mean, my question would just be what it what would what are his thoughts on the outlook on you know the next three years, five years, sure. whatever? Um, I think you know when I look at where poker is at right now, I feel pretty optimistic about it as far as like the content that's out there. I mean, you have all these streamers now that are getting the word out. There's tens of thousands of people watching you know, Lex Feldhaus play at 5k on the weekend. They're getting pretty big audiences. People are, people seem interested in poker. Um, I think, I think if it did become legal, it would be great. I think there would be a huge demand. Um, so right. I'm hoping that happens. <laughs> um, of course, there's a lot of poker knowledge out there too. Increasingly because people are watching Lex or maybe some of these pros like Doug Polk. If you watch, he just bullshits. He doesn't really offer too much poker knowledge that's that's useful i don't think i don't know about mm -hmm. Veldhaus. yeah i'm not super familiar with the streams i don't really watch them too much um the only one i really watch is charlie carroll i watch some of his replays because i think he does sometimes offer some pretty good pretty good strategy pieces that you can take away um, right but yeah yeah i mean it's like i i was you know doing some studying with carlos and like i, I those guys i wanted to find like someone who's crushing acr who's an american player Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. someone who's beating my stakes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely a resource. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, how are the – so how are the game? are there any uh, live cash games in Maine? Uh, are you doing that at all, or is that just – that, that you had to travel for quite a bit, didn't you? Didn't you have to drive over an hour for a home game? Yeah, so I, yeah. I occasionally will play live cash um, either at the casino here in Maine or – sometimes trips to Foxwoods or private home game type things around here. Um, the action at the casino in Maine is actually pretty great. Um, the rake is a little bit high, but the games are very good. Um, but the problem is I have to drive uh, over an hour and a half each way to get there. And sometimes I have to sit there and wait for an hour or two for a seat when I get there. And there's just a lot of issues. It's hard to, it's hard to justify playing one table um, and sitting and waiting for it when I could just hop online and like, like I'd sure. rather hop online and play four tables of hundred NL on Bovada than go play like one, three, or even maybe even two, five at the casino just because of the headache of driving there and everything. Yeah. You got a three hour turnaround time and that could be an extra thousand hands that you get to see or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, having said that, I am going uh, to Foxwoods in a couple of weeks to play some small tournaments. Um, but yeah, live play is pretty few and far between for me these days. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. I like live more. Well, I like live tournaments more. Um, yeah, they're but, fun. 
the no, I like them. convenience of online is just <laughs> too easy. You know, you can really get in some volume. Since we only have Doug for 30 minutes, Steve, can we, I actually have a hand I want to ask him about. Oh, perfect. All right. Shall I we, got uh, a hand from uh, a strategy section. Yeah. Cool. yeah. If we, we can always go back, Steve, if you think of something. Okay. What you got, Mikey? Yeah, I, I don't know how interesting a hand is. It, it's a it's a shove fold kind of decision, but this was pretty. I came. I'm in Vegas, Doug. I came out here for the uh, World Series of Poker, their first online series. I don't know if you know that knew that was going on. I heard a little bit about it. I don't know much about like what events there were or anything. So, so I uh, two events, two caches. Throw a brag out there, but uh, this was from uh, Thursday. And it was like a $300 buy-in, whatever, 40K guarantee. But, of course, you know, they killed it, and first place was 30000 Okay. And we're getting pretty late. And um, I was telling Steve they're 10-minute levels, so the thing ran pretty shallow. So I, I start this hand with about 26 bigs, which is probably, uh, you know, well above average. I, I don't know about well above average. Um, the blinds are 5,000, 10,000. I'm in the small blinds with pocket nines. Okay. And um, the under the gun guy has 89,000, just under nine bigs, and he shoves. Okay. And the, um, the button who has 233K or a little, a little over 23 bigs, he reshoves. Okay. Um, I, I guess this is maybe how you would just go about using an equity calculator here. I mean, I know how it, but um, so I, I'm not, I guess my qu question, if you add both their ma all the math together, I've done it from what I've looked at, I need 39% equity. Okay. But I was thinking almost individual, do I look at just in my head of the, the reshove, the buttons range? Is that maybe how you would look at this? I mean, you're, you're ahead of, I'm ahead of both their ranges individually, I think. Mm -hmm. But but overall, I only have 39% equity in the hand. Yeah. Does um, that make sense, the question? I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. I think um, it's it's hard to just say, like, look at your equity against button or, or look at your equity against under the gun. I think you have to look at the whole picture, and it's hard to really do that accurately without software, in my opinion. Um, the, the way I would look at this in terms of reviewing it after the fact uh, I would just plug in all the stacks and the actions in the HRC, right. uh, run the sim, and then the initial result would be like sort of a, a Nash equilibrium GTO kind of a result. Um, so I would get that and then I would adjust the ranges um, any way I see fit. So like if you have stats on button, um, if they're, you know, if you think they're tighter than they should be or if they're looser than they should be, I would adjust the ranges a little bit um, and and come up with, uh, what I think I should be calling off with. Um, as far as like just the spot in general without running a sim or without knowing anything about the players, um, I think it's really close. Um, I think if I had tens, I'd probably like call and not really think too much about it. Um, nines is very close and I think it could go either way. And um, at equilibrium, it might be a call. I'm not really sure, um, but it's very, very close, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking like from a philosophical standpoint, do I think to myself, you, you know, am I ahead of the button? And because yeah. sometimes I, you know, I could lose to the, um, under the gun guy, but still win a little of that hand, you know? 
So yeah, it's definitely more important to think about the button here. Like that's the most important part of this. Um, so, you don't really, but, but if you were punching in an equity cut, you would look at your overall overall equity against both ranges and not just try to range the button. Um, yeah, in game, I would I would agree. I think I would mostly just be trying to range button. Um, okay. We know we know we're way ahead of under the gun, or at least we should be way ahead. Um, yeah. So we don't really care too much about his range. Um, we really just need to figure out what button's range is. Um, but yeah, just after the fact, if I was analyzing it, I would just look at the equity we have against both players. But yeah, um, figuring out what the button's likely to be doing is is what I would be looking at in game. Right. Um, how much, again, I'm just trying to get the basic philosophical stuff. I heard in cash games, I don't know if this is a, like if a UTG one opens, if you're behind them, you should be playing a UTG range. Yeah, I think that's that, reasonable. That makes sense. So you're on a slightly stronger. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, don't know what I'm getting at. Th th this was a big pot. Obviously, I would have I folded and would have flopped quad nines and taken a big chip. <laughs> of course. So, <laughs> and it is kind of funny when you go through the like what normally you would think that guy would have there, and I think he had a lot of chips and lost some. I don't know if we need to factor that in. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't save the hand or uh, save the hand history, but. Um, yeah, he had king queen off the button. Okay. So, yeah. uh, you know, like I originally when I ranged him and put it all in the cut, I, I I did the 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 equity calculator like what I would think he would have. So I I had him as um, sevens plus ace jack suited, ace queen off, and uh, you know king queen suited. And uh, but if he's doing king queen off, maybe he's uh, he's got king ten suited in every pair and all that. Then it becomes a call, but. Um, yeah, the there, thing was, about, there was no, really no way of knowing, but um, that seems pretty loose. I don't like his shove there with King Queen. Do you guys? King Queen off, you said? Yeah, no. If he's if he's depending on what range he's put the under, he's he's a, he's behind the under the guns range even probably. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. Yeah. I would. I'm not a fan of it. Um, yeah. Uh, when I had a question, I wanted to ask about the, the situation. Um, I think it it, it somewhat matters. Um, one is what is the big blind stack size and the other thing is is there any pay jumps coming up uh were we in the money and are we like really close to a significant pay jump or is it just like a chip ev decision no we're in the, we're in the money and yeah the pay jumps i wasn't really there's no i don't even really think of icm until uh I don't know. You get down to the final two. Well, yeah, I, I, I will if I'm using the shove fold. If I'm using, I use the float the turn um, app, and mm -hmm. you can adjust ten percent tighter, twenty percent tighter. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I was even using it at this point because I was. Uh, but that's something I will do. Um, yeah. But I, I guess it's late. It's you know stack preservation mode. I don't know. If that's the same as ICM because you're passing on thin spots. But um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, if this was earlier in the tournament, I certainly call and just try to, you know, I'm trying to chip up. But yeah, uh, uh, another, so a couple other notes about kind of just how I generally would think about this in game. Um, the, the spot, it's like if you had tens at this stack size, like I said, or me personally, if I had tens, I'd probably go with the jam. And also, if the stacks were like four BBs less, so if you had like 22 and you have nines, I would go with the, I would, I would call off. Um, mm -hmm. With the extra four BBs and having nines, like I said, it's really close. And I do think it matters um, how soft the tournament is in this situation. And if it's a close spot, like if you think you have a huge edge in this tournament and 
it seems like it's pretty soft and your table's making mistakes, I would be more likely to fold um, just because, because it is close um, and we're risking our tournament life with the call. Uh, those other factors matter in that situation. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I had a little bit of an edge just because it was shallow and uh, I, you know, I was still stealing off of 2025 big blinds. Um, mm-hmm three betting and you know that kind of thing maybe i was going to be stealing some chips other people weren't but uh it's kind of hard to say there i think um i definitely would have called tens in that spot or reshipped i guess uh but uh nines that's close eights is an easy fold i believe but uh i think you're right there it's you know i was watching a video last night on tpe about uh, with alex Fitzgerald and he's like oh in this spot I don't really know what to do he's like I hope I fold because I don't know what to do and he reiterated that about three or four times you know when you don't know what to do the move is usually folding yeah I I agree and especially again in a spot where you're risking your tournament life and you're not really sure go with the safer alternative and uh make the fold Yeah. yeah How much versus button, what, what sort of equity advantage do you think just like off the top of your mind? Like, let's just say like there was some app where that, that gave you his entire range mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, and you had 55% equity. That, is that a call? Well, I, I, I mean, in these types of spots, I tend to think in terms of how many big blinds are edges. Since right. We're getting it all in preflop. So again, it somewhat depends on how, how soft you think it is and like sure like like if you have two guys on your left that you're just stealing like you can just steal button with 100 percent against um yep. then that means you need to have a bigger edge to take the spot but in general like if it's a tough tournament and i don't really see any spots where i'm getting a lot of a lot of equity in other situations at the table um i think i want to have something around like 0.5 bbs 0.6 bbs at least uh edge okay um and again, if that if if the table is really soft and I I'm just able to run over when I'm in light position with uh, really exploitative steals or something, then that number would go up. Um, but yeah, I think spots like these, you know, you're trying to plug the overall leaks in your games, and this is like we said, this is kind of a close spot. I think we agreed. If I call with pocket sixes, that's that's much too light. And if yeah. I were if I were to fold pocket jacks, that's a big mistake. Yeah, absolutely. So pocket nines is kind of, uh, but yeah, just trying to think of the overall approach there. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. In game, I was thinking about just the big blind range, pretty much. I was wondering if that was like a decent way to. Yeah, you mean think, the button range, right? Yeah, the, the yeah the big blind range. I mean the the button range. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would be doing as well for sure. Yeah, um, we already know that we can clearly get it in against UTG, um, so we really just have to worry about button. Yeah, yeah, the bigger stick. I um, I've got one that's kind of similar. Um, unless you well, that's useful, thought. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, my segue this episode just sucks. <laughs> unless you got any closing thoughts on that one, Mikey? I got one that's pretty similar. No, go ahead, Steve. Okay, this one. Um, we're on the button. We have tens. It's a six-handed tournament. Uh, we have five players at the table. Still pretty early. Blind levels are uh, 50, 100. Um, it uh, folds to the cutoff, who min-raises to 200. So the line's at uh, 50, 100. He min-raises to 200. We're on the button. 
with tens. He has 48 big blinds. We've got 77. Uh, small blind has about 100. Big blind has 43. Okay. We're, we're three betting here, right? I'm sorry. I, I didn't catch. Um, I caught the cutoff min raised, but the, and then you said the other stack sizes, but I didn't catch your position. And you had, did you say you had tens? Okay, yeah. We got uh, tens, and uh, we're on the button. So the cutoff okay. raises, we've got tens. We have 77 big blinds. Small blind has 100 big blinds, and big blind has 43 big blinds. Okay, gotcha. I know in cash games, I've, uh, I've been three betting tens a lot less. I don't know. I mean, everything does depend on, um, especially now that I play in like a hundred big blind game rather than a 300 big blind game. But that's, yeah, I don't know. That's not germane to this conversation, but, uh, yeah, I think with tens here, you could, um, flat or three bet. Uh, I don't think flatting is really a mistake, but uh, I personally would probably lean towards the three bet just to play the pot heads up in position. Um, yeah. If you if you flat like then the blinds are allowed to flat with pretty wide range um, yeah. just because of pot odds. So I would rather get heads up, uh, get the pot heads up and play in position with a, a hand that's ahead of cutoffs range uh, rather than playing four handed. Okay. Um, so I think I would lean towards three betting. Yeah, makes sense. If you're in the small blind, see if you're in the small blind, you lean towards flatting, maybe. Um, no, small blind, I'd be even more likely to three bet actually okay. uh, because we're out of position then. And again, so like you're saying, if the button folded and we were in the small blind with tens. Yes. Yeah. So in that situation, I would even be even more likely to three bet because uh, we're out of position and I want to have the SPR be lower because uh, if the SPR is higher then the in position player gets to just realize more of an edge being in position. Okay. Um, and also, again, I don't want to flat, and then big blind can just flat with like 80% of hands. Um, yeah. So I don't want to play out of position to two players um, with a lower SPR, which is what's going to happen most of the time if we just flat. Um, so, yeah, I would like, I, I would just always three bet if I was in small blind with tens. Um, so, low, basically, higher SPR, you're going to get more, if the guys, you're going to get more floating in that, you know. From the uh, from the guy in position, yeah, is that yeah. so? Yeah, he can he can put more pressure on you. Yep, exactly. Okay, all right. So three betting. What uh, what's your guys' sizing here on the button? He made it two hundred blinds or fifty one hundred. We got tens. I would go about six hundred. I'd just go around about three x at these stack sizes. Okay. Yep. Ditto. All right. I make it uh, six twenty seven. Um. The small blind folds, big blind folds, and it goes back around to the cutoff. Uh, total pot is 977, and he makes it 1722. Okay, so at this point, I would be very, very interested in, in any stats you have on him or anything you know about the cutoff, if you know anything. Okay, uh, six hands. He's uh, played two of them. They were both for raises. That's it. Okay, so pretty much nothing. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if you said this yet, but did you say what the buy-in of this was or what site it was on? Yeah, it's uh, $44 on Bovada, uh, six-handed super stick. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, yeah, okay. If you use, if you use Carlos's uh, rule, there's no such thing as a four-bet bluff on Bovada. Yeah, I would just fold, um, especially. So he made it seventeen twenty-two, and he started the hand with 
how much do you start it with? Uh, 4,800. Oh, so this is like most of the stack then. Yeah. Or, uh, there's okay. 24 in the middle or there's 25 in the middle. Now he's got three K behind. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. I just easy fold. I think. Mike. Um, yeah, I play an ACR, so it's not an easy fold. Okay. <laughs> Everybody has four bed bluffing ranges, but, um, and well, of course I've got thousands of hands on people and you know what I mean? There's always like dynamics of, but in this spot, I don't know if I'd be able to fold because you're at the tippy top of your range, but yeah, I think like if I would just try to have, that'd be one of the, if I had a computer there with, with all my little sticky notes, that would probably be one that I would have right on top there prominently. They don't four bet bluff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the the interesting thing about this, well, a couple things. Um, if cutoff had jammed instead of four betting to the smaller size, I'd be more likely to call. Me too. Um, um, because I think that puts a lot more ace king ace queen in his range um, that we're slightly ahead of with fed money in the pot. Um, so I would just call in that situation. But when someone four bets the smaller size with this this small of a stack, um, I think that it's uh, way more likely to be a stronger range. Um, and the other thing is if you did flat the four bet, uh, then the pot is going to be around like 35, 3,600 ish on the flop. Um, and then his remaining stack or the remaining effective stack is like, uh, what is it? It's less than a one-to-one -one SPR. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like 80% of the pot or something. Yeah. So I think you pretty much just have to shove or fold here. Those are your only two options. I think, um, because okay. I think if you did just call, then now he's just always going to shove every flop because he's first to act. Right. Yeah. Um, so depending on the villain, he might be checking like the ace high flops so you can steal those because you know he gives up on jacks and kings, but probably not even. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, there's I shouldn't say always. There are there's some situations where that won't happen, but in in general, like this is basically a shove or fold decision at this point. I think. Okay. I feel like his cutoff range here when he four bets at this point is 85 or 90% of the time he has tens plus here. And uh, then the other 5% is like ace king suited. And the other 10% is some random seven, eight of diamonds or something. You know what I mean? But the vast majority of the time here, I think we're crushed. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think I, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I would want to have, a read on the opponent. Like if we had like 40 hands on him or, or more and he's being really crazy, then, then we can think about just jamming it here. Uh, but versus an unknown on Bavada, uh, I'm just making the fold. And the fact that it's a six max does make it a bit closer, I think, because I just think people tend to play more aggressively in those. Um, That's true. If, if this was a nine handed tournament, I wouldn't even think about it versus an unknown. I would just fold in yeah. six max. I might think about it for 10 seconds and then fold. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think I would end up folding. Okay. All right. Yeah. I took a minute and then I kind of ran through what we talked about and then I end up uh, clicking the fold button. So I don't know. Cool. I guess that was correct. Probably correct more often than, than it's not. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is you're playing an unknown player on an anonymous site. So you kind of just have to play against the pool. Yeah. Um, and against the pool, I think it's, you can't, you're not making much of a mistake by folding. Okay. Okay. All right. I guess we got away from And that. people do like to shove their ace king, ace, ace queens in those spots for sure. Yeah. I don't think. Like you um, said. Yeah. I think 
yeah, like I said, if the, if the, if he had shoved, I think our equity is just way better and I would just make the call. Um, I mean, you're gonna, you're still going to run into like aces and Kings sometimes, but overall we have better equity versus the shove. So I would yeah. much more strongly consider the, the call off in that situation. Yeah. I think with aces, Kings, maybe Queens, he's making that raise size almost every time. And with hands, yeah. like you said, uh, you know, if he's shoving, I think we can probably take three quarters or, or I guess it'd be uh, two thirds of the, uh, of his aces and King combos out of there. Maybe he's only doing it, you know, a third of yeah. the. Yeah. With the smaller sizing, like if I was going to try, try to run this in HRC or something and enter his range um, with the smaller sizing, I'd probably do something like give him like uh, 50, 30 to 50% of like the ace Kings and ace queen suiteds. And then, like 80%, 90% of the aces and kings. And then I would reverse those versus the jam sizing. Yeah, I feel like that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so, Dougie, where are you going to be at poker in, in, in a couple of years here? What, 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 what's the plan, man? All I have to do is win $1,000 pot or win a $300 tournament, and I'm just like – I mean, if uh, I, I'm like, already fantasizing about uh, playing the super high rollers in two years. Like that's where that's the direction. <laughs> well, so are you, uh, if you have a good year here, do you have some, some, uh, some goals where, you know, if I do this, then I get to go to Vegas or. Well, uh, let's put it this way. I just uh, booked an impromptu trip to Foxwoods just because I saw that there was a $250 tournament there that they were adding a 30 K poker stars players championship package for first. <laughs> Nice. So, so uh, the dream is alive and well. And um, if I like, you know, if I like banked a hundred K somehow, um, I would be going full time immediately. <laughs> okay. Um, so like yeah, um, yeah I, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm working hard on studying and trying to build the bankroll back up again. And I could see myself um, going for it again uh, if I'm in the right situation financially. Are you still with the the same lady or? Uh... Yep. Yep. I am. She's downstairs uh, making noise. <laughs> I mean, frankly, <laughs> she, she could. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's, I mean, there are people who work 80, 90 hours a week here. Some people just to survive. You could just lay down, lay down your, uh, lay down the law, Doug, and say, listen, you're, I'm a full-time poker player and you're going to have to have, Two, maybe three jobs just to carry. <laughs> <laughs> just throw the ultimatum yeah. out. Those were that'll be the that'll be a good test of love, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because um, the job that I have right now, uh, a lot of my coworkers I see working super late, uh, putting in long hours, and I don't do that, and I don't want to do that because I want to go home and study poker and play poker. Um, so I put in my you know forty forty five hours a week, and I think i like to think i'm pretty efficient uh while i'm there and i get get my work done but i've worked late maybe like one night in the year that i've been there and um no one said anything yet but it's just kind of interesting seeing how many people are putting in like 60 70 hour weeks um and I'm right just, I'm, I'm, sure they're, I'm sure they're catching on to the fact doug you're you're one of those do the bare minimum kind of guys but uh <laughs> But you're you're so smart. Maybe you're 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 and you're even when you're half-assing it, you're uh, you're providing more than a lot of people. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like I said, I like to think when I'm there, I I, I apply myself and I like to think I work pretty hard. Um, 
but so far I've been able to either fool them or get enough done that I don't have to put in loads of hours. Um, so hopefully right. that can continue. <laughs> yeah. Steve has a trick where he actually, um, he actually just finds a bunch of like fire hoses and like hides underneath them for a few hours while he's taking a nap. Oh, that's pretty clever. <laughs> and, yeah. Nobody even knows where he is. So Steve, Steve's lucky. He's a fairly lean guy. Then he can hide behind a fire. Hose. You know, you don't even have to. The funny thing is if you're, if you're a fireman, you don't even have to come up with excuses to do nothing. <laughs> they, they just, they're, they spend so much time sitting around there watching porn or whatever it is. I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of part of the job description. Uh, <laughs> When he does have to leap into action, though, it is a, it is a, it is some serious business. So I'll, I'll, give, I'll grant him that, right? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> In between the time, though, we're uh, playing badminton and uh, Xbox. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a bad gig. <laughs> Has its moments. Has its moments. <laughs> I don't know. It is funny though. Just the mind of the poker players. Like Doug here, such a re- sounds like such a reasonable guy. You know, of course you're young. You can quitting your job isn't the end but you're like you're like if i win this tournament i'm quitting immediately <laughs> I mean, yeah it's not you know, even i don't know if i can use the being young excuse anymore i'm 30 now okay i, I, I used to, i used that last time i feel like I, I used my one time with that i don't know right I in terms of a, uh, i mean are you, are you worried about you whatever what your resume looks like i mean do you you want to have like a place where you've had a you've had a job for two or three years don't you if not you look kind of drifterish yeah, you know, I a little bit of me worries about that. I have had people comment on that and um, in jobs I've applied for. Um, but for the most part, I'm really not worried about it, um, especially with software engineering. I think there's a lot of ways to use that skill set to make money. Um, right. I've freelanced in the past. Um, I could see myself doing that part time at some point. You know, maybe maybe in the future, I'll be playing poker half the time and working 20 hours a week as a freelancer or something. I just think there's a lot of different avenues to working in software. And I think even if I did have like a gap on my resume, I could probably show someone that I'm worth hiring in the future. Yeah. Um, so I'm you know, not too worried you're, about you're it. basically a commodity in this, this market, you know, your shit. So it's like, yeah. Well, it's, I think it's like a mixture of like knowing some stuff and then like presenting myself well, or, or I guess you could call it bullshitting, but where, where would it be? Let's just, uh, you got to prepare for the worst here is my mentality, of course. Um, was there any, um, what was the last sort of summerish job? I mean, have you ever, ever waited tables or anything? If it ever came to that where you had to like, um, rather than working a full-time job as an engineer, I guess what I'm saying, why not uh, kind of full-time poker, but some little job on the side that brings you whatever. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think $800 a month. Yeah, and I think I could do that with software. Okay, um, okay, like, makes sense. You know, I have I have side projects right now actually in software. I'm building a crowd. I've built a um, sort of like a crowdfunding website for my neighbor who's an, an inventor, and he invented a new uh, gaming controller for computer games. Huh. Um, and there's just little things like that that just come up once in a while that I've done. Um, and I, you know, I haven't really tried to market myself that hard. I haven't really like searched hard for side gigs, but whenever I've Whenever I've tried to do them, I've been able to find some stuff. Um, so I think that in the future, it w- wouldn't be that difficult to, you know, put in 10, 20 hours a week doing that kind of thing. Okay. Hmm. Cool. I need legal poker here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, do you have, you, you can do the, uh, you get a, you get enough volume on, on Bovada, you think, where you could, uh, 
I mean, living in Maine, it's not like you need $200,000 a year to survive. Well, the, the biggest thing, uh, at least for me personally, is the, you know, living expenses, which in Maine, they're low, but um, right now I'm working on paying off quite a bit of debt from, from just quitting my job and going back to school and, okay. like, and like living on a credit card for 16 weeks while I was in school. Um, so yeah, once that's stuff is taken care of, yeah, I don't think I need a huge amount to live pretty comfortably. Um, and I, I think the question you were getting at was, do you think Bovada alone is enough um, to make a living off of? Uh, I kind of think that the best way to do that would be to play, be playing both cash and tournaments. And I think if, if so that's something you can do and have good win rates in both, then yeah, you could make a very solid living um, just on Bovada, I think. Um, which which levels can you can you beat the I don't know what what kind of Zoom games are on there like are, are is one two a game you beat pretty profitably there or is that that's that's probably very a fair amount of pros in that game obviously no yeah not really I think I'm pretty much like if I looked at every hand I played in Zoom I don't have uh, all the hand histories but I think I'm pretty close to break even over like a hundred k hands um, oh wow I think I I, I think I crush 100 and all pretty well the the, the non-zoom games um okay. they, they, they kind of changed zoom recently on bovada there used to be 100 and all zoom but now there's it used to be like 50 100 and 200 um and now it's 50 200 and 500 so they got rid of the 100 and all zoom um mm -hmm. and the the 500 doesn't really run but even if it did i'd probably just get absolutely crushed um but yeah like right right now i'm pretty confident that i i, I beat uh 100 and all and under uh, and pretty much any tournament on Bovada um, for a pretty good win rate. Um, and yeah, hopefully if I keep studying and working, I'll be able to uh, maybe move up to 200. And I think a mix, if you're doing well in 200 now plus tournaments on Bovada, I think you can make a decent amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Well, um, I can hear the uh, gardener starting up in the, <laughs> around here it's about to get very loud i think we should uh, wrap it up and uh thank you for coming on doug this has been cool yeah uh thanks for having me it was good talking with you guys um gonna have to catch up on some of the backlog i haven't listened to the podcast in a little while but um gonna have to go in and catch up on some of i'm episodes. still confused sorry steve why you talk uh describe call your electrical dildo the gardener <laughs> It's just a strange name for it. I don't know. That was our code, Mikey. And oh, no. okay, okay. <laughs> is it is it green or something? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Steve, why can't I just let us uh, end this gracefully? I don't know. It's, it's some, I got a bad personality. What can I tell you? You got to get in that last jab. Yes, yes. He's always going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Okay, boys. Well, thank you very much. Yes, and thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. What you see impacts how you feel, and the way you feel can literally change what you see. What you see is a complex mental construction of your own making, but you experience it passively as a direct representation of the world around you. Hold yourself accountable for every moment, every thought, every detail. See beyond your fears, Recognize your assumptions, harness your internal strength, silence your internal critic, correct your misconceptions about luck and about success, accept your strengths and your weaknesses and understand the difference, 
Open your hearts to your bountiful blessings. Your fears, your critics, your heroes, your villains, they are your excuses, rationalizations, shortcuts, justifications, your surrender. They are fictions you perceive as reality. Choose to see through them, choose to let them go. You are the creator of your reality. No matter how many people are against you or the haters who said you can't do it, you can't become it, you can't have it. No matter what your ex-husband said about you, if you take these three soldiers with you, intellect, instinct, and inspiration, you will always achieve your dream. We're the authors of our stories and can change the way we're telling them. Your life isn't just a list of events. You can edit, interpret, and retell your story even as you're constrained by the facts.